Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now... Here is Pastor Albert with today's word. Fellowship, joy, and forgiveness in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We're going to be reading an entire chapter this morning. 1 John chapter 1. Don't panic. There's only 10 verses. Hallelujah. Amen. But we're going to read 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to give you a moment to find that. It's toward the end of your Bible. Hallelujah. If you have it, say amen. Praise the Lord. And the word of the Lord says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, And we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Listen closely here. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Turn to your neighbor and say, all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Hallelujah. You may take your seats this morning. Praise God. I'm going to try to be as gentle as I can. Hallelujah. I'm going to give this with a spoonful of sugar if I can. Hallelujah. I don't know how else to share the word of God when it's just cut and dry. You could put some whipped cream on top. You could put a cherry on top. You could put some little fruity pebbles on top. You could put anything you want on it, but it's still sharp as a knife. The word of God cuts like a hot knife through butter. Amen? But those that love his word, those that respond to his word, love the Lord. Those that walk in light will also honor the same light according to the word of God. Those who just talk about loving it, talk about the light, they basically have no fellowship with the Father. Amen? So this morning, turn to your neighbor and tell him everything's going to be all right. Hallelujah. I promise you will survive this message. 
Don't be scared. Hallelujah. Amen. God is love. God is light. God is life. Hallelujah. In this letter, John the Beloved is enjoying the delightful fellowship with this same God of light, of love, and of life. He is desperately desiring that every single one of God's children also experience this wonderful fellowship in him and this type of fellowship with one another. He says God is light. Hallelujah. If God is light, then we must also walk with him in the light and not in the darkness. Hallelujah. If we walk in light, then that means we're always looking to walk right, to talk right, to act right, to live right. Hallelujah. To know that we represent Jesus Christ here on earth we also acknowledge, we confess our sins before God and we allow his precious, holy, pure, spotless, blemish-free blood to cleanse us from all of our sin. We do not love the world or the things in the world. We turn our love and our affection and our attention to the God of light. We turn our love and devotion unto God. Speaking of which, God is love. Hallelujah. God is love. And because he is love, we too must also walk in love. John tells us that if we do not love, that we do not know God. Love is more than just a, a mere set of words. When someone says, honey, boo-boo, I love you, boo. I love you, baby. I love you, baby. Listen, love is an action. It's not cheap talk. Praise God. If you love me, you'll wait for me. If you love me, you'll get a job. If you love me, you'll move out of mommy's house and get a place. Hallelujah. If you love me, you'll have some direction and some focus and you're not going to bring me in to take me away from my security. Hallelujah. No amens from the ladies. I'm in your corner here. Hallelujah. You better know where you're headed. How are you going to take me out of my mother and father's house? I got clothes. I got food. I got everything I need. I got everything I need. And you want to come and tell me uh, you love me. You don't got a job. You don't got no direction. You don't even know the Ten Commandments. Get it together. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Get yourself together. Then maybe come here and come holler at me. Come talk to me. Get it together. Hallelujah. Love is action. You'll wait. Hallelujah. You'll save up. You'll buy a nice ring. You'll have a, all these things in order. Amen. Guys, you're going to get it on Father's Day. Hallelujah. I'm just, I'm just warming it up right now. Hallelujah. Love is about giving and not receiving. Hallelujah. How about that? Biblical love is really unconditional love. That means it's a sacrificial love. That means you're looking to always outgive one another. You're always looking to be the giver and not necessarily the receiver. The Bible says it is better to give than it is to receive. Christ's love for us fulfilled all the qualities of biblical love. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. See, love is a giving word. Love is just not words anymore. People can see through fake love. Hallelujah. I know I can. Praise God. God is life. Those who fellowship with him experience quality of life. They experience the favor of God. Spiritual life begins with spiritual birth. Hallelujah. Jesus said in John chapter 3 to Nicodemus, a teacher of the law, he said, you must be born again. If you are not born again, you will never see the kingdom of God. He said, Nicodemus, teacher of Israel, you're headed to hell. Hallelujah. 
You need to be born again. Well, what do you mean born again? Born again of the flesh. Can I go back? No. Somebody say spirit of dumb. You don't go back into your mother's womb. That which is born of flesh and water, that is a spirit. Uh, flesh is flesh. A uh, spirit is spirit. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. We have to bring that spirit back to life. The only way it could happen is through the infilling of the Holy Spirit of God. Through a spiritual rebirth. Spiritual life, it begins with faith in Christ. Faith in Christ infuses us with a life with God. It reconciles us. It brings us back into the rightful place in Christ Jesus. Now, when John wrote this letter... He was writing to the family of God. He was writing to those that have fellowship in the body of Christ. This letter is written to you and to me, to those in Christ Jesus. This letter has warmth. It's loving. It's got devotional stuff in its delivery. But this letter also deals with a very serious topic of sin. Precisely, sin in the life of those who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. This letter deals with many of the inconsistencies of, of being loved and not loving back in return. John has three goals in this letter. Number one, fellowship with God and his family. He also speaks about fullness of joy. How many have fullness of joy this morning? And lastly, he talks about forgiveness of sins. And this morning, I intend on sharing those three categories with you this morning. Number one, let's talk about fellowship with God and his family. Number one, John always starts at the beginning. And that's the way we should start. Right in the book of John, the very gospel of John, John chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Hallelujah. 1 John 1 1 we read that. That which was from the beginning. Who is he talking about? Jesus Christ the living word, the son of God, the bread from heaven, the gate, right? He was there in the beginning. This is who John is speaking about. John said, I was there. I witnessed everything that went on. I'm telling you the truth. Hallelujah. He said, I seen the everlasting father. He himself was among the sons of thunder. He was one of the ones that had eyewitness account to the miracles of Jesus. He seen Jesus die and raise from the dead. He saw Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. I've seen it. I've heard it. I looked upon him. How about this? Our hands have touched the Lord. Can you imagine that? unbelievable hallelujah he was there he said we not only saw we not only heard we had breakfast with him on the seashore of the Galilee uh, you know a, a, a Peter jumped off the boat his cell phone got wet he jumped in with everything and he ran to the master and there we ate on the beach Jesus did more miracles after he rose than than his whole three years on earth I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen him rise and ascend into heaven. And the angel said, why do you look at, at the, 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 the sky? The same Jesus, the same way you saw him go up is the same way he's going to come back again. That, hallelujah. Yeah, that's some, that's some stuff to shout about right there. Glory to God. They put their hands in Jesus' pierced side. He says, if, if in order for me, I see you, I hear you, but doubting Thomas said, in order for me to believe, I got to stick my finger in the hole. Jesus said, really, bro? Really? 
Like even you can't, you can't see I'm standing here. I'm, go ahead, man. Do what you got to do. And he said, and now I believe. He said, you believe because you could stick your finger in my side. But blessed is he who doesn't see. Blessed is he who's not sticking his finger in my side. Blessed is he that doesn't see and still believes. He said, make no mistake. All of it is true. I can attest firsthand to the authenticity of this testimony, of this life. Let me tell you, every single one of the disciples were willing to go to their death for Christ. Who here would die for a lie? Eventually, when someone puts your head on a wooden block and they got the executioner ready to chop it off, you say, hold up, hold up, the gig is up. This was all fake, right? How come not one of them did that? When they tied all four limbs and put four horses to rip their body into pieces. How about when they sawed them in half? How about when they put them in, in burning hot oil? What about that? What about when they threw James off of the roof? And he landed on the ground and he was still alive. And they got upset so they started beating him to death with clubs. Wouldn't you think they would say, wait, the gig is up. Not one of them recanted their story. Not one. You know why? Because they said, we have seen, we have heard, we have beheld his glory. We even touched him. We ate with him. We know this. Is, man, what could man do to my body? I ain't scared of you. All you could do is kill me. But I'm telling you, I fear the Lord who could send me to heaven. Hallelujah. Give me your best shot to be out of the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Death, where is your sting? He gave eyewitness testimony. And out of all of that, what was it that he came to the conclusion? The purpose of life is to have deep, wonderful, lasting fellowship with God. Hallelujah. But not only to have fellowship with God, but to have fellowship with other believers. Did you know that your fellowship with everyone in the body of Christ deepens your walk with the living God. Hallelujah. You know like that lame phrase that we hear, you complete me. Well, the reality is we complete each other. You guys have heard my apple tree story. Some of y'all in discipleship classes heard it. I had planted an apple tree for three years. I lovingly cared for this apple tree. I put miracle grow pellets and all kinds of stuff. I watered it for three years, not one single apple. And I paid a lot of money on that tree. I went to Maple Farms. I didn't go to Walmart. And nothing. And then finally one day I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the tree grow, but there's no fruit. I got my tractor on and I'm mowing the lawn. I said, you know what? Uh-uh. This tree is going to die today. I ran. I put it in drive. I went. It cut up the tree. And then it wasn't good enough because I looked back. There was a stump sticking out of the ground. I said, nah, you got to go. I backed up. Then I turned off the tractor. I picked up all the little pieces of branch. I said, you're good for nothing. You're useless. I'm going to throw you in my chimney pot. You're going to be burned up alive. I can't wait to burn you. I was talking to a tree. Do you understand? I said, you know what? I ain't going to spend all this crazy money. I'm going to go to Walmart. I'm just going to get some cheapo, cheapo, weepo trees. I went to Walmart, and the guy says, so what are you looking for? I said, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get an apple tree, but one that has fruit on it. Because I planted this tree, and it didn't work. Did you plant one tree? I said, yeah, one tree. The most expensive one they had. Didn't even work. He said, dude, you're a moron. Why? You need other trees 
in the garden. You, need, you don't need the same exact tree, but you at least need other trees. You got to have the bees cross-pollinate each other. A tree by itself can bear no fruit. You need other trees to be around close by so that you could bear fruit. In other words, you can't be a disciple, follower of God by yourself. Hallelujah. I need you. You need me. And together, hallelujah, the spirit of God cross-pollinates us. And we bear fruit. We share each other's burden. We, we stand in the gap for one another. But those of us who are lone apple trees, guess what? You look like a tree. You have leaves like a tree. You're standing all pretty like a tree. But you got no fruit. And when Jesus walked to the barren fruit tree, what did he say? He said, man, you are good for nothing. Hallelujah. He said, nothing but for the fire. I'm going to throw you into the fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's exactly what I did with that tree. In other words, we need each other. You are the family of God. John was saying, in essence, I'm so glad that I'm part of the family of God. But you know what? I would be even more happy if you were with me. I would be more happy if we could fellowship together. Glory to God. How beautiful it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. How beautiful it is for the brethren to dwell together as the body of Christ forever and ever. Let me tell you something. Church, take a good look at the brother or sister sitting next to you. Go ahead. Just do that for a second. Just look at each other. Do you know that you are looking at an eternal brother or sister? You're going to be with each other forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So if you're sitting next to somebody who you don't like, Get it together. Hallelujah. If they smell funky, get them a bar of soap. Hallelujah. Put a little deodorant in their gift bag in Christmas. Hallelujah. Love up on your brother and sister. Get it together. Hallelujah. Because you know what? Your own brothers and sisters, if they don't know Christ, death separates you forever there ain't gonna be no angels in heaven oh I, uh this one just got their wings and eh, not true it's funny in the obituary everybody that dies goes to heaven everybody everybody that's the gospel of inclusion no such thing as hell no such thing as sin you don't have to repent all you have to do is die and you automatically get your wings. That is an abominable lie. Death without Christ is separation from the Lord forever. But your spiritual brothers and sisters here in this room, the body of Christ, from every nation, tribe, and tongue, you guys will be together forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. You cannot get to heaven alone. Let me share something with you. Saints of God, Jesus is coming soon. No question about it. But I tell you the truth, if you are sitting here and you are comfortable and satisfied with your salvation and you are not doing anything, you're not talking to anybody you're not being the light in any situation what's happening is people are headed to hell on your watch you cannot be so satisfied with your salvation that you are not willing to take any souls with you to heaven in other words don't go to heaven empty-handed hallelujah let me ask you a question have you ever had to go to a diner and eat alone? It's whack. I hate it. You ever had to eat alone? And then everybody walks by, even the waiter. They look, oh, poor guy. 
He's got nobody to love him. Poor guy. He's sitting here all by himself. And they probably walk by and say, man, get it together. Get a life. Hallelujah. They don't know whatever your reason is you have to eat alone. But I'm telling you, it's the horrible thing to sit at a table by yourself and have nobody to talk to. It's horrible. But it's something because in the body of Christ, it seems like once we get saved, we're like, hey, I got my seat at the table. I'm good. I got my seat. It don't matter to me if there's nobody on the other side and nobody to talk to. And, and this is how we kind of live our Christian life. And that's an awful thing. He who hesitates eats alone on their dates. Hallelujah. That's my pastor's version. Don't go to heaven alone. <laughs> I'll let that one <laughs> digest. <laughs> <laughs> you with you with me? Hallelujah! Real. Come on, come on, come on back! Hallelujah! You don't want to go to heaven alone. Take mom and dad with you. Take your brother and sister with you. Take Bapo and Junebug and Pookie with you. Don't leave nobody behind. The Bible says in Proverbs 11.30, he that wins souls is wise. Do you know that if you're not talking to anybody about reaching, if you're not reaching anybody, if you're not talking to anybody about Jesus Christ, do you know what you're saying without words? You're telling people, go to hell. If you are not sharing your faith on a regular basis, if that is not part of your lifestyle, remember, listen, if you go outside, you'll see a big sign. It says, sole purpose, evangelical church. You know what that means? That we are intentional about sharing our faith. Evangelical is not a, a, a religion. or It just simply means we are intentional about sharing our faith. We don't want to see nobody go to hell. And when you're not sharing your faith as a believer... You're basically saying without words, go to hell. Hallelujah. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Hallelujah. Why did he say salt? Why did he say light? Why did Jesus use the examples? Let me tell you why. Salt, number one, it purifies, it preserves, it decontaminates. But guess what salt also does? It stings and it irritates. Hallelujah. Look at the word light. What does light do? It illuminates. It exposes. It reveals. How about this? It cuts. But what does light also do? It burns up and it consumes. When you have a laser beam, a focused light, it will cut right through something. We are God's ambassadors on earth. And he has sent us forth to carry out his mission. We are commissioned to be ambassadors of heaven. God is light. That is his attribute. Those in Christ must walk in light. We must put on the armor of light. The Bible says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. What does that mean, pastor? That means when people are talking sexually perverse jokes at the water cooler at work, turn around and walk away. Have no fellowship with perverseness. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Ephesians 5.11, it says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. But what does it say? But rather expose them. If we walk in light, we have fellowship with one another. We are not supposed to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You know, it's funny because this is, I find this so extremely difficult to comprehend. When people say, oh, I love Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I love Jesus, but I can't stand going to church. I don't understand it. To me, it's mind-boggling to me. It's perplexing. It's an oxymoron. 
If we say we are in Christ, but we walk in darkness, we lie. This is what the word said. We read it. And we do not practice the truth. That means if you're talking about walking with Christ, but you don't have an active lifestyle, you don't read your word, you don't study the word, you don't even want to raise your hands in the temple of God where it's so easy and safe to worship God. If you're afraid to throw your hands up in the air, then something must be wrong. Because I'm sure if you went to the Jay-Z concert and they say, you do your hands up in the air, you'd be like this. You'll be jumping, hey, in the concert, right? But you come to church. Turn your neighbor and say, I hope he ain't talking about you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. He ain't talking about me. Hallelujah. I tell you the truth, I can't wait to come to church. I, I, I can't. I don't know how else to say it. I can't wait. Church doesn't come quickly enough for me. Hallelujah. I can't wait to come to church. I can't wait to hear testimonies of my brothers and sisters. I can't wait to see the radiance, the glow on my brothers and sisters when they walk in through the door. Here's another thing. I can't wait when I see somebody grumpy. Because I go right up to say, hallelujah. Hey, hey, praise the Lord. It's impossible to walk into this place and walk out funky. If you walk out funky, it's because you choose funkiness. You can't come into this place and walk out the same way. It's impossible. Do you know, I also get excited to meet new people. To meet new visitors. Do you know why? It's not because I'm saying, oh, guess what? We have a new visitor in the church. No. Do you know what I look at when I see people? Is this the next elder? Am I looking at the next teacher? Am I looking at the next worship minister? Am I looking at the next musician in the church? Who am I looking at? Am I looking at the next children's director? Am I looking at the next uh, a server, the next volunteer? What is his gift? What is her gift? What, what is it that God called him to do? And, and, and I'm, I'm filled with excitement. And it's wonderful to get to know people because that's what I'm looking for. God, who are you bringing now? Who's coming now, Lord? Do you know all, all of you people that have been here for a few months, or, you know, and, and now you see people in the choir, every praise is to our God, every word, of, you know, it's wonderful, it's wonderful. Five months ago, six months ago, they were not singing every praise. Do you understand? Ah. And then y'all say, ah, oh, pastor, he just likes it. No. I love the Lord Jesus Christ, the transcendent glory of God. Hallelujah. It's exciting to me. When people come in funky one week and the next week they're ready to go, pastor, what you need me to do? What you need me to do? Tell me what you want. What do you want? Pastor, tell me what you want me to do. It's wonderful. This is the body of Christ. The family of God. This is how we're supposed to live. Praise God. In Christ there is fullness of joy. Every human being, we all have a desire to be happy. Happiness is often dependent on the happiness or the happenings of life. I tell you the truth, happiness is temporal. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness, I'll even say this, is superficial. Sometimes happiness is deceptive. Sometimes you think everything is well and then you're unaware that the rug is about to be pulled out from under your feet. Let me give you an illustration how happiness can be deceptive. You might have been in the car on the way to church arguing with your wife and your kids. And you walk in here, stank. 
That's the Ebonics version. You walk in here with attitude. And then the pastor's at the front says, is everybody happy? And you're like, oh, oh. And the pastor just made a liar out of half of the people in the church. Happiness is fleeting. It's deceptive. But what's not fleeting, what's not deceptive is joy. Fullness of joy. That means even if in the car on the way to church you have an argument, say, brother, you ain't stealing my joy. Hallelujah. Sister, you can't take that away. Hallelujah. I worship the Father. I'll tell you what, I'll catch up with you in two and two. I'll be right back. Hallelujah. I'm going to get my praise on. And you come to church and now you put a little extra something, something on your worship. Just like David, his wife said, man, you done lost your mind. You out there looking all crazy. You all undignified. He said, woman, now I'm even getting more undignified. Watch me. And he took off all his clothes, started worshiping before the altar of God. Mm. Thank God there was no Judge Judy because the wife would have took him to court. Joy is so much better than happiness. Joy is a wellspring of life within you. No matter what's going on, it can't be taken away. Your joy is full. When believers have the joy of the Lord, all things are possible. God's will for every single one of us is to have fullness of joy. Glory to God. Look at John 15, 11. It says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Let me ask you a question. Are you lacking true joy in your life? If there's a lack of joy, there might be some roadblocks. There might be some hindrances. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, buckle up, hallelujah, here it comes. I'm going in. Hallelujah. There might be some hindrances or some roadblocks to the fullness of joy. Is there a lack of full dedication in your life? John 15, 7, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. But if you are not abiding and you ask anyway, you're tripping. Because that means you're double-minded. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all that he does. And he should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Hallelujah. Bam. Number two. Is there a lack of fruitfulness in your life? The Bible says in John 15, 8, by this my father's glorified that you may bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. Listen, if you don't have a lifestyle of sharing your faith, then that means you are not bearing fruit. You don't want to be that guy, that girl that gets into glory, scarcely saved, and you're the person at the door going, Welcome, come on in. Yeah, welcome, come on in. You're the guy that sweeps the floor. No, hold on, let me get that spot right there. <laughs> I'm kidding, hallelujah. But the, re the reality, we get up there any way we can. My, my wife says, I don't care, give me a little pincha. I'll put my crown up there, little, little uh, 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 a bottle cap crown. I don't care, just so long as I'm up there. Just get up there. But the reality is you don't want to have shame in the glory in the kingdom of God. Because everybody else, even little old ladies reaching people for Christ. And you were too comfortable sitting on your easy chair, too satisfied with salvation, not doing anything for the kingdom. Is there a lack of love for others? Listen to John 15, 12 through 17. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. 
For all the things that I've heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Turn to your neighbor and just say, this, say these words. There is no such thing as a loveless Christian. If you are a Christian, you must walk in love. There's no other way to do it. Hallelujah. Amen. Last point. Forgiveness. Forgiveness of sin. Verses 5 through 10. I'm going to break this down quite a bit this morning. But it says in 5 through 7, it gives us a contrast between light and darkness. Our goal should always be to walk in the light. The problem is many of us fall short of that goal every single day. The Bible says in Romans 3, 23. Now, we all know this one, but many times we don't read 24, 25, and 26. So I'm going to read them today. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory to God, right? But let's go a little further. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has sent forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now listen very, very closely. What does that mean, pastor? It really means this. We are not sinless. Did you hear what I said? We are forgiven sinners saved by grace. Our salvation is a gift of God lest anyone should boast. But there are some who may think or even state, we are no longer sinners we're sinless. I'm telling you the truth. That is error. Biblical error. We are justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses us from all sin. So at our spiritual birth, we are completely sanctified. We are completely justified as if we have never sinned even one time in our entire life. Okay? However... We must also continue to struggle daily, to die to self daily because our sinful body, this temple, wicked temple, is still sinful and it still desires and craves the things of the world. So we struggle in this earthly tent. We are no longer bound by sin. We are no longer bound or under the curse of the law of sin and death but we are still sinners who just happen to be saved by God's beautiful, wonderful, unmerited favor and grace. Bam. Do you understand that? This is why Paul said in Romans 7, these things that I want to do, I don't do it. But the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing it all the time. Of all sinners, Paul called himself the chief of sinners though I be he said of all the sinners I'm the worst one of the bunch and listen God chose him to write two-thirds of the New Testament figure that one out now listen closely sin is not a spirit sin is not an entity do you understand sin is an action. It is an act of our will. Sin is disobedience. Let's take it a little further. What is sin? The Bible says it clearly. 1 John 3, 4. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. Romans 6, 23. 
For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. James 1, 14 and 15, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and is enticed. And then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So I again say, sin is an action. It is an act of the will. Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God. Hallelujah. And because of their disobedience, they were removed from the presence of God. They were removed. They were kicked out of the garden because of an act of the will. Sin is a direct response to our disobedience. Now, we read earlier in John 8 through 10, it says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Who is he talking about? Who? Make God a liar. We make God out to be a liar if we say we have no sin. And then it says his word is not in us. So if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We make God out to be a liar. This is very dangerous. This is extremely dangerous. God is not a man that he should lie. God is not like us. Today, there are some, and many people are preaching this. Many people are teaching this, saying, we have reached a sinless state. We are no longer in need of the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, there's a term called hypergrace. Have you ever heard of that term? Hypergrace means that there's no need to get cleansed of sin because all sin has been covered. The minute you get saved, that's it. You don't need to be washed. You don't need to be cleansed. And this is very dangerous. It's deception. It's in square opposition to the atoning blood, the perfect blood of Jesus Christ. Why? If this was the case and we are sinless, why would Jesus said, your sins, though they are many, are forgiven thee. Go and sin no more. That means because we're still sinful. That means we're wicked. The Bible says if we're left to the wickedness of our heart, we're always going to choose the wrong thing. The law of God is perfect. It's not the law that's imperfect. It's we who are imperfect. Jesus didn't came to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. This is why, like, you know, I put something on my Facebook. It's really crazy. Uh, uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick went on and made a, a declaration that God broke the law of Moses because of love. Listen, to say that God broke his own law, remember, the law came from God. God gave the law to Moses. So if God broke Moses' law, he broke his own law. And if God breaks the law according to the word which we just read, then God is a worker of lawlessness and he can't be trusted. He shouldn't be served if he broke his own law even for love. Furthermore, if God circumvented the law, if he went around the law and didn't go through the law because of love, even still he would be wrong. You understand? This is why there's so many abominable doctrines and heresies. The Bible says in the last days there will be doctrines of devils, demons, and the elect, even the elect would be led astray. We have to be very careful. Read your word. Listen, if God himself, Jesus said, go and sin no more, and then he sends his Holy Spirit, why, what is one of the functions of the Holy Spirit? To convict us of sin why does he convict us of sin so that we would repent and turn from our sin this is so simple a caveman could understand this the perfectionist the person who thinks we got it all together will say we no longer have sin we no longer are sinful what they're doing in essence 
maybe knowingly or unknowingly but this is what's happening they are trampling underfoot the blood of Jesus Christ it is a serious offense to God why then would Jesus have to die to atone for our sin why is it in the word Galatians 5 16 walk in the spirit so we do not gratify the desires of the flesh if if we didn't have to walk in the spirit after being born again wouldn't you think the word would say that Listen to the word in Hebrews 26, uh, 10, 26 or 31. Listen, it's important. I'm taking time. We need to do this. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot and counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now listen to this. John, 1 John 5, listen to this. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself. Turn your neighbor and say, keeps himself. Hallelujah. Please understand. And the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know of him who is true and that we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is true, the true God and the eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Here goes again. Amen. This means what? Real simple. Keep yourselves from sin it is an act of our will we do not keep ourselves from the spirit of sin or from an entity of sin we keep ourselves, our body in check first uh first john 3 9 it says whoever has been born of god does not sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he's been born of god what does that mean, pastor? I'm going to break it down. I'm glad you asked me. Hallelujah. Whoever is born of God does not sin. Why? Because of the fear of God. The fear of God will prevent you from sinning because you have a deep amount of respect and fear. You're not tormented by God, right? You fear God because you love him. You fear God because he is God and, and he is awesome in his power. The believer does not sin because he does not practice sin. Not because he's sinless, but because he loves God, he does not practice sin. You could click, click on the next one, son, please. The believer does not engage in habitual or willful sin. This is important because some people will fail. The righteous fall down, right? We get up. People will sin and not realize it until afterwards. But there are some that willfully sin. They are living together. They're fornicating. They're smoking weed. They're doing stuff. They're cursing, dropping F-bombs. They disrespect their wife. They embitter their children. There's all kinds. They cheat on their taxes. They're, they're on a, a public assistance and saying that they have this much money when they really have that much money. There's so much wickedness. This is willful sin. When you know the good that you're supposed to do and you don't do it, it is sin. A believer that loves God doesn't act that way anymore. A believer does not allow himself to be dominated by sin. All they could do is try to live every single life to subdue it and to master it so it doesn't 
control you. Listen to this. The seven churches of Asia. It's in the book of Revelation. Jesus strongly uh, told them, consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Revelations 2.4 out of the churches seven churches five of them were rebuked and told to repent he demanded it from them this is far from believers being unaccountable for their sin they have to answer to Jesus one day the Bible says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and that each one may receive things done in his body according to what he has done whether good or bad now, here's where the good part comes. Hallelujah. You could take a deep breath now. Hallelujah. When we fail, and we all fail, your pastor fails daily. When we fail, forgiveness is available. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's good news. I tell you the truth. It is good news. But here's the thing we've got to understand, people of God. If is a loaded word. This is a cause and effect statement. You can't have one without the other. First, we have to confess. If we confess our sin, that means you've got to recognize you did wrong. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you. If we don't need to confess our sin, then we're not believing in the atoning blood of Jesus Christ let me tell you we don't confess our sin because we want to stay out of hell we confess our sin unto God because we love God and we want to keep the relationship open when you hurt the father knowingly or unknowingly it definitely should sadden your heart you should say God I'm sorry I messed up again so we repent daily to reestablish our relationship I want you to say these words with me hallelujah it's so important we are positionally righteous, but practically sinful. Say it out loud. Hallelujah. Say it with me. We are positionally righteous, but practically sinful. What does that mean? That means you are a sinner saved by grace. I am a sinner saved by grace, but I'm no longer under the curse of the law. I'm no longer under the curse of death I am set free. Whom the Son is set free is free indeed. I'm positionally righteous. That means even if I did something stupid, the Lord comes right now. The, the, my ears are going to hear the trumpet of the Lord and I'm gone. Not because of my goodness, not because of anything I've done, but because of the blood of Jesus that covers over me. I'm positionally righteous, but I'm practically sinful. Do you understand? We have to confess daily. The Bible says the righteous, hallelujah, they fall down seven times and they get up again. But the wicked shall fall by calamity. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. The Lord's mercies, through his mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Hallelujah. Sister Donna, you can come up to conclude. Galatians 3. Listen, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Hallelujah. In Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. I'm going to share an illustration with you. And this is probably going to get some people upset with me. It's probably going to get people to say, man, why did the pastor go there? Because you know what? I got I to gotta lead by example. My wife and I have a son. And I'm not blowing up his spot, but some of you are already aware. I know some of you are praying for him. Continue to pray for him. But we have our oldest son, Joshua, who's struggling with alcoholism. He's an alcoholic. He wasn't an alcoholic at home, but when he went out into the world, he made his decisions, and now he's been an alcoholic for almost 15 years. He's been in and out of rehab, and right now, praise the living God by the glory of God, the grace of God. He is sober now, I think almost two months now. 
So praise God. He's trying. He's going to church. He's trying to live right. But he has problems. And every once in a while, we'll talk and we'll, we'll try to encourage him. We got to pray for him. He's clean now. Praise the Lord. But in my last conversation with him, the Lord gave me some wisdom into his situation. And I think it really hit home. You see, he is addicted to alcohol. That is his vice. That is what has controlled and dominated his reasoning, his thinking, his actions. It has almost been a lord over him. And he is now fighting this demon of alcoholism, and he's trying to be set free, praise the Lord. But he says, Dad, you don't understand. I'm really having a bad day. Everything inside of me wants to go back, but I'm going to fight with all of my might. And I told him a couple things about how to change that fight response and all that other stuff. But then the Lord told me to tell him something. And you know what the Lord said for me to tell him? To, to tell him, son, I also have an addiction. Son, I'm addicted too. I'm addicted to sin. Son, I'm addicted to sin. And then you know what I said to him? Hello, my name is Pastor Albert, a sinner. Think about that before you throw rocks at me. Think about it. Didn't Jesus say, he among you whom is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Right? If you could admit that you're a sinner, you're halfway home. I said, son, I struggle with sin every day. I'm trying to master all the sin in my life. I'm trying to rule over it. You know how I do it? I crucify the flesh. I stay in the word. I worship God. I stay plugged into the family of God. I, I, I stand in the gap for one another. I go before the Lord. I throw up a flare gun. Lord, I'm weak. Poof. I need help. Lord, I throw up a flare like I'm in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean on a raft all by myself. And a boat is coming. I go, poof. I throw up a hope and a prayer. God, I need you. I, you know, listen, we all have to get to that place. The closer I think I get to God, the absolute further away I feel from him. Because as I get closer to God, you know what I see? I see my nakedness. I see my own shame. I see my own hypocrisies. I see my own flaws, my own weaknesses. And it makes me stumble and go before the Lord in tears. I say, oh God, why do you even put up with me? Why are you still with me? I understand Isaiah when he said, woe unto me, for I am a man of unclean lips. I am undone, for I have beheld the glory of God. If we're going to be addicted to anything, we should be addicted to Jesus. Right? The Bible says the disciples addicted themselves to the work of ministry. Fellowship, joy, life, love. All of these things are found in Jesus. Fellowship, joy, forgiveness, all of those things. But in order for that to happen, you must fall in love with Jesus. He's the one who gives you life, freedom, light. Let us love him. Let us love one another. Let us not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. Let us walk in peace. Let us walk in light, for he is light. Let us experience true joy, receiving forgiveness of our own sin and setting others free by forgiving them of their sin. Hallelujah. We can do all things through Christ, but one thing is important. Bear fruit. Share the gospel. Don't go to heaven empty-handed. Let us serve God in spirit and in truth. God bless you this morning. Let's bow our heads, saints of God. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. If you've been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-956-0133. Once again, that's 
www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.